Broadcasting from high above the reserve, this is Radio Harambe. Thank you, as always, for tuning into Radio Harambe. I know it's been a little while since we've been on the air here, but we're back, at least for a couple of shows. And uh, joining me from his desert quarantine, from the city where if we replaced election ballots with poker chips, we all would have known who won the election a lot sooner. (laughs) It's Safari Mike. Mike, how are you? Jumbo, every (laughs) Jumbo, Dave, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How is your uh, desert... uh, life going i mean uh, dodging cactuses and uh, dodging cactuses and roadrunners and uh, i actually saw a roadrunner a couple of weeks ago that was kind of cool but um does it look anything like the roadrunner in the cartoon no nothing like it Darn. nothing like it well, um then that would have destroyed my uh <laughs> and i did not hear it go beep beep either oh so. forget it so uh, but yeah it's you know it's quiet here nice you know whatever it's a little cooler than you would think well, you always say that, but your version of cool and mine are two very different things. Um, well, it's about, it's in the 50s here. Oh, well, that is cool. <laughs> See? See, a lot of people come out here, and I know we're going off the beaten path. A lot of people come out here, you know, when there's not COVID in January and February with shorts and T-shirts thinking the desert's going to be like 90 degrees, and but it's not. It, yeah, it, with Hawaiian shirts and uh, yeah, especially yeah, at night sunglasses. it gets cold with no with no trees to like it can get breezy and cold at night. Um, so uh, you know, it's not it's it's not that warm. That's, We're not going in the pool right now. That's for uh, sure. That bursts a lot of bubbles, Mike. Uh, a lot of people are uh, <laughs> looking to get out there. Anyway, so what we thought we would do today is kind of get us up to speed. We've got a new. Disney Plus show to talk about, and plus we got some news. There's not a lot, because let's face it, there aren't a lot of people going to Disney, and I don't think Disney's doing much investing anytime soon into the parks. No, Um, all the news is bad. Yeah, all the news is bad, but we thought we'd keep you up to date with the bad news. So with that, let's begin, Mike. What do we got? Well, you want to talk about first the bad, and that is all the live entertainment. This is a big deal a couple weeks ago. All the live entertainment sure was. basically was uh, canned at, by Disney. Uh, no more Festival of Lion King or the Nemo Show or any of those. Um, and they also got rid of like you know some of the long-standing like the uh, Streetmosphere people from Disney Hollywood Studios and all that kind of stuff. There's still some live entertainment, like the, I think the Mar- Mariachi Band, for example, still around. They're still doing the Frozen Show in Hollywood Studios, but the, the live entertainment took a huge, huge hit. A couple of weeks ago. So everybody is laid off, essentially. Right. Um, with talk of ever coming back, or how how is that working? Well, uh, yeah, just yesterday, uh, Damaro, the, uh, you know, in charge of the Walt Disney Parks, 
uh, basically said that they will bring back uh, all the entertainment, like you know, Festival of the Lion King people and stuff, uh, when they can. He gave no timetable for it. He didn't say you know starting January first or you know next summer or anything like that. But he said when um, when they can, and who knows with COVID, uh, and you know they can have people sitting in theaters next to each other and have these yeah. the, these things going. They will bring it back. It's not like Festival of the Lion King's gone forever. It's just gone for the foreseeable future. I would doubt it come back before the maybe like the second half of next year would would be the earliest, I would think. Yes. But maybe even longer than that. The weird thing about Disney is and this is the weird thing about COVID everywhere, right? Is that um they're dependent on Florida's uh COVID regulations, which are pretty liberal compared to some others, let's be honest. Um, it's very lax. Yeah. But the thing is <laughs> Disney has so much more to worry about because they're not there's not very many Floridians there. You know, it's it they're coming from all over the place. And anyway, you you have you still have big indoor close indoor gatherings like that are still right. not a good situation. And Lord knows the Festival of the Lion King theater is certainly not meant for something like this. I mean, even before right. COVID, I wish I was wearing a mask into there half the time because people are just on top of you. Left yeah, and right, you know. You're, you're, they jam you in there as, as many people as they can, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I usually just wanted a mask to protect me from the bo of the guy sitting next to me, but you know, it's you know now <laughs> now, now I'll feel perfectly normal walking in with my mask on and to watch that that's show. Right. So, so I think yes. that's one of the silver linings. Um, so these guys are free to go find other work if that's at all possible. And uh, yeah, good luck though. <sighs> I mean, I mean I, a lot. I mean, all around the world. I mean, I've, I'm reading things like theaters closing. You know, not going to reopen. I mean, I yeah. think you know, the entertainment industry, especially live entertainment people, mm-hmm. people who do like you know theater and you know stage shows like this and musicals and things like that. I mean, Scott. when's Broadway ever going to reopen? I mean, you know that that kind of thing is gonna it's gonna be a while. It's gone. And even yeah. once, yeah, even once you get the, even once we get a vaccine, people are going to feel uncomfortable going to places like that for a while sure. movie theaters and all that kind of stuff so these industries are going to take a hit for a while i think yeah um yeah I, and i i guess this is just disney's move not to have to try to remake the way they do things it's just so complicated for them i mean i, I don't know how they're I, I, they held on to it for a long time you got to hand them that mike i mean they held on to these people for quite some time i don't know if they're paying them but they uh, they held on to them in, in the in the system for quite some time before they made this yeah, decision. They were hopeful they would be able to use them, yeah. but they they just can't. I mean, I no. I know a lot of people were very upset. Oh, Disney, how dare they? And and it looked bad that uh, you know Disney's the you know um, when the COVID first happened, you know all the executives w- went on half salary, and and shortly before this announcement of cutting all these people. They announced that they were going back to full salary, so Bob Jacob, Chapik, and all of them are getting their full payroll, you know, pay now. Oh, good for Bob. Uh, I was I was worried about him, Mike. I didn't know if he would be able to uh, afford that bad. yacht that he just bought when he. Yeah, uh, so stupid to do that. I mean, to yeah. to announce that, and then oh, and by the way, we're <laughs> we're canning all these live entertainment people. It was stupid, but um, you know, but there you have it. I, I, and and like I was saying, I, even if you know the if there's a vaccine, let's say January first. It's not like these people are coming back January 2nd. It's going to be a while for the tourism industry to get back to to what it was. Um, And uh, if it ever gets back to exactly what it was. Um, But, you know, I I assume it'll recover in a couple of years, but it could be a couple of years before it does. 
Um, and so it could be a while before we get like Festival of the Lion King and the upstage show and, you know, all those things back again. You would think the upstage show being outdoors would have at least some hope. And that was the first thing yeah. I thought that came to my mind back way back when was that perhaps they could retain these shows for smaller outdoor right. like type of things. But I mean, I, I, right now. There's, like I said, they're not investing into it. There's just so few people at the parks. I mean, I've yeah, spoken it. to a couple people who've been there, and there's even now they're still reporting this is great. There's nobody here. There's like you know, yeah. as long as as long as you you're okay with the with the risk and you feel safe. You know, remember we talked to Jen, um, Jen Green, a travel agent, uh, travel by Jen, um, who was telling us that the most uncomfortable she felt was in the Orlando with Orange County Airport, Orlando oh. Airport. You know, no question about that. That everything else was fine. Being on the plane, yeah. being in Disney, all that stuff was great. The only part where she felt, you know, like she was in any kind of danger was the airport. Right, right. Um, so it's you know, Disney's doing an okay job with it, but it just it's going to be status quo like this for a while. Uh, keep going. What else? So uh, let's get a little bit more brighter news. Um, Disney Animal Kingdom has started putting up their Christmas decorations. So the big tree is out front of uh, Animal Kingdom. The, um, you know, all the uh, like the puppetry that was shown uh, last year that debuted in the park, which I loved, um, is back on, uh, you know, is back in front of, uh, you know, in Discovery Island and stuff. So you're talking uh, about the, um, what did they, they had a name for them. Um, uh, yeah, what were they? Sort of uh, white you know, animal things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and all the all the designs, all the decorations that were covering uh you know, Disney, uh, the uh, Discovery Island stores are all, you know, back. So it looks nice. Very nice. So, uh, you know, if that's your thing, uh, it's there. So you can go and enjoy that. Now, the Animal Kingdom is still closed until the um, early, you know, until in the early evening. Is, there's no, like, nighttime hour. So I don't know if they're doing the Tree of Life show at this point. Cause I, Which was great. Although it gets dark, you know, at, at like 5 o'clock. So maybe they are. I mean, the park is closing at 6 and then, uh, you know, another news item that kind of bleeds into this is that they are extending it by an hour, like right around Thanksgiving and right around Christmas and stuff. So it'll be open till seven, a couple hours after it gets dark. So maybe they're doing the Tree of Life uh, Awakenings Christmas show. I'm not sure about that, but uh, the decorations are up and ready to rock and roll. Really cool. And they do a good job with decorations. I mean, they're they're uh, I don't know. They're, they're not over the top, you know, they're right. A lot of them are themed. Uh, you know, they do a lot of really neat things, especially in Africa, where they're they using what old bike wheels and stuff like that yeah, yeah. to create. You know, really mm -hmm. kind of cool ideas. I have tons of pictures uh, of As this year's too. <laughs> yeah, and and a friend of ours, friend of ours, sent in some pictures for this year. So during the Christmas season, go to our Instagram page, Disney's Animal Kingdom, uh, and you will find a lot of those shots of a lot of those little. Uh, Christmas decorations, Animal Kingdom style. So what else yes. we got? Uh, Harambe, speaking of Harambe, Harambe Market, uh, the counter service in the middle of the uh, Harambe, has reopened, although only for weekends currently. It, it has it had not reopened uh, with the rest of the park until within the last week or so. But it has reopened. So if you're there on a weekend, uh, you can enjoy Harambe Market, which I think is the second best counter service in the in the park. I guess. Yeah, I would. I Your think first I would put being it number two, Satuli Canteen in Pandora. I was always stunned, Mike, that this didn't open because it is completely outdoor seating. 
Yeah, it's the safest of all of them. Of all sure. the right, of all the ones. Well, well that I mean, flame, tree. flame, flame tree as well. Yeah, too. but you would think of all the ones that would have opened fully, mm-hmm. it would have been this one. In fact, you know, maybe do something different. You know, add some different options or something. Maybe even add to it because it was completely outdoor seating. Um, right. You know, it just seemed it seemed weird why it didn't happen. But I guess you know, uh, I'm sure there's a numbers cruncher somewhere who has a reason. But mm-hmm. um, anyway, I, I was I'm, I'm still to this day stunned that it didn't uh, open with the rest of the park. But I don't think it does think as well as some of the other because, frankly, uh, even before COVID, I noticed there were days when I was there were days where the Harambe market wasn't o- wasn't open. It's annoying, so, wasn't it? Yeah, well, number one, you're right, it is annoying. But number two is I think it wasn't doing quite as well as Flame Tree, Satuli Canteen, which always seemed to be very crowded, even Pizza Fari. Yeah, you're you're not lifting up our spirits here, Mike. What else you got? We got any? (laughs) One more thing, uh, at the Kilimanjaro Safaris, uh, the Warden Post, as they've been calling it. This is the new thing being built. Yeah, it's just about to be open. And, and ready to rock and roll. And the, the drivers are now uh, acknowledging it's there. And they've been calling it the Warden Post. And it's it looks, if you go online, you know, there are, you know, news site, Disney news sites that have posted recent pictures of it. It looks uh, just about ready. Um, there is some fencing going up. So um, what I have heard, um, you know, from various very high up sources, let's put it that way. That uh, they're thinking about putting goats in there, and I, we talked about this on a prior podcast. I, in all likelihood, it'll be African pygmy goats, which are common uh, goats in in Africa. Um, so I expect uh, that to be happening relatively soon. Have you seen any pictures of it? I have of the of the warden post. Yeah, it looks it looks like a you know a, a, a building that has been there forever. <laughs> you know, even though it's only about a couple of months old. You know, they did a nice job of making it look kind of like this little hut that's, you know, been in the savannah for, you know, decades. Um, and I guess they'll have uh, ghosts wandering around it. It's, it's supposed to be you're about to be coming home from your two-week safari. And, you know, this is the ranger post. You're passing it by as you get to the, you know, the unloading right. area. It's where, for people who are trying to envision where it is, it's the very end of the of the ride where there used to be oryx, where there used to be... Um, attics were there for a little while. That's where they eventually were. Oh, so it's there. The, it's not in the spot where Big Red used to be lying on the ground. No, it's at the very end. It's in, in that last exhibit that Bef- you know. Before they you leave the okay, right? Before you go through the gates and then yes, oh, I see. All right, yeah, it's right at the end. It's after you go through the the, the waterfalls and the you know the drive through the water and that last exhibit. Where there used to be, like I said, Oryx, and before that, Attics, and before that, there was the, uh, you know, the angry zebra herd that was there for a hot minute, um, you know, that didn't last more than a couple of weeks. Well, they so, have to learn yeah. to behave themselves. <laughs> so that's where, that's where it is. And that should be, you know, up and running soon. Hopefully the goats will be out there soon. That'll be kind of cool to have some kind of animal in there. They seem to have trouble filling that exhibit. They've Ever since they tried to put the angry zebra herd in there, it's... You know, it's been this, that, and the other thing for I a I mean, weirdly, while. though, right? Because they had, you had, they built this little spot, or they, I guess, adapted it um, mm-hmm. for the angry zebra herd. Mm-hmm. They, and that th- failed. That failed. They misbehaved themselves. So then they put right. in, like, something else there, like you said. A, like, yeah, and, and it was, was the like, was first. then there was, like, only one of them for a while. Then there were times yeah, where you drive some- through, there's nothing there. Yeah, for some reason, they moved the attics. I don't know the reason, but they moved them over to the Animal Kingdom Lodge. It's at the... Uh, 
you can now see them. I believe it's in the Yuzuma uh, Safari. But for some reason, they just moved them out of there. And then they put Oryx in there for a while. And again, like you said, you would maybe see one. Sometimes yeah, it, it would be weird. empty. I'm, I'm not sure why. Yeah, it was um, strange. Yeah, yeah. So now they're going to try, you know, a little show scene of uh, a warden's outpost, you know, of the savannah and some ghosts. Right. All right. So what else we got? That's pretty much it for the news, I believe. I don't think I don't think I think that was all that I uh, that I had. Well, there is one other piece of news. This Uh-oh. is something Mike and I have been talking about for a while, and that is the release of a Animal Kingdom centered oh. show. Yes. On Disney Plus. Mm hmm. Uh, it was it, from from what I gather and from what I've read, it was actually shot and filmed by National Geographic. That's correct. Um, which has a deal. I don't think they're. Are they owned by Disney now? I don't think they so. They are part of the, the National Geographic Channel, is part of Disney, yes. Okay, so they're owned by Disney, so that explains a lot of what you're about to hear from me. Um, and they, <laughs> and uh, they, um, you know, they came in. It's basically a behind the scenes shot. Well, I'll let you describe it. I'm sure you watched it more closely than I did. I watched uh, all of it so far. Yeah, I've watched, uh, I've, Watched all of it as well, but sometimes only partially watching. I'll put it that way. Oh, no, I watched the whole thing. I mean, it's it basically there are so many shows like this already on TV. It is identical to the, uh, you know, the, the show about the, the Bronx Zoo on, I believe that's Discovery Channel, Animal Planet. Or Animal I forget. Planet, I think. Yeah. Yeah. There's another one called Secrets of the Zoo, which which focuses on the Columbus Zoo. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's just basically trying to take you through what they try to make it seem like a day in the life uh, you know of uh of the disney's animal kingdom and what the uh keepers you know not, and other employees do there to take care of the animals so that you you know while you're enjoying uh you know watching the rhino as you're going along the kilimanjaro safaris this is telling you what it takes to keep a rhino uh you know one of the ones i think his name was duncan what the ryan uh the rhino uh, had a birthday, and they showed how uh, you know they you know made him birthday presents of uh, boxes full of hay that he was able to pull apart and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so it just goes through. Yeah, that was cool. Usually, <laughs> usually each episode focuses on two or three different animals, and something's going on. Usually, one of them is sick for some reason. Um, I know when one episode they had a lioness who um, was uh, had some sort of tumor on her foot, and they. You know, they showed how they had to put her, you know, uh, yep. anesthetizer, get her to the to the vet's office. And, you know, they biopsied it and it turned out to be a benign growth, but they removed it and all that kind of stuff. Another uh, episode focused on a Stenbach from uh, the Animal Kingdom Lodge that was born and was having problems with its legs. And they had to have some sort of procedure on there. Another one focused on a blind shark that ate something that somehow got in the, the, the tank and they needed to do a, a procedure on that thing. And. And and that kind of stuff. I you know they focus on usually each episode focuses on that, and then like some sort of a couple of feel good stories about some sort of animal. Uh, like for example, on one episode there was a Nile crocodile, and they showed how they were teaching it uh, so that the animal would go into a certain spot to get food. Um, another like a stingray at the at the uh, you know, the living seas uh, gave birth to a you know was a. An endangered species that gave birth at, in the in the park, you know that kind of thing. There was um, a chicken that was something yes, was going on chi- with a chicken, right? Right. So they, you know, there's usually something bad going on with one animal. Something, you know, they're showing you a different animal and you know feel good kind of story. 
they focus really on two things, I think. Uh, uh, one, is, and this is what zoos focus on across the world. Um, number one is breeding, because if they're not breeding endangered species, you're going to have a lot of people saying, well, what the hell is there a zoo for? I mean, I thought the whole purpose of it was to be sort of an arc, you know, like a Noah's Ark saving animals. So they focus a lot on, you know, breeding and the SSP programs and, you know, who's having babies and, you know, all that kind of endangered species and that kind of thing. Right. And they also focus on enrichment because, you know, people um, certainly in the old days when you would see a lion in a cage, you feel bad for the animal. I mean, it was a beautiful animal, but he's there. And so they, they talk a lot about how. They hide food in the tiger exhibit so the tiger can go find it or like the birthday presents for the rhino so that, that he would rip open the thing and or, you know, uh, the gorillas, how they hide stuff for them and, you know, find food in their exhibit. So they're constantly talking about number one breeding pro programs so that, you know, there's a reason for zoos to occur and a reason for them so we could protect and save endangered animals. And number two, enrichment. So showing you, well, listen, it's it's you know you're, you're, it's not prison. They're given you know these zoo animals you know things to do and trying to enrich their lives. So I mean that's that's the really the focus of the story. That's a very long description of what this uh, uh, this this show is. Yeah, and like you said, I, I remember years ago watching a show. I think it was produced by the BBC, but on PBS about the London Zoo. Mm -hmm. um, this is not. There's, there's one in Australia too. I forget what channel has it, but the Australian zoo has a show similar right. to that. Right. I mean, Mike described it well. This is what zoos. You know, this is this is sort of a PR arm for a zoo. Um, mm -hmm. You wanted to see the great things they do, and I think you also get a, a really nice look. Uh, first of all, you get a really nice look at some on stage stuff. So there's some beautifully shot pictures from there. You know, from Kilimanjaro safaris or from wherever they might be, there's some there's some really wonderfully shot stuff there. Listen, it's National Geographic; they have good camera guys. These guys know what they're doing. Um, so it is nice to see that and to see it done professionally. You know, to be able to see some of that stuff professionally. So, well, well if well, you're like us and on. you haven't been there for a long time, it, this it, there is a little bit sure. of, of that 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 is to it. You know. To, to that end, while you were talking about that, National Geographic does promote the fact that they're using a lot of cutting-edge technology for this show. Uh, you know, custom-built GoPros, for example, to, to get real close to the animals and 18-foot cranes that they're using and new underwater cameras for the living sea. So there is a lot of that. You know, it's very well, like you said, very well produced and very well uh, – the cinematography is fantastic. But go ahead, Dave. Uh, and I think getting to meet um... – the cast members that are not sure. part of your everyday park visitation. Um, you know, we all know the people who sit you into rides and, uh, yeah. you know, your tour guides and the people, you know, and how, how and wonderful performers. those people are, your performers. And that's all great. Um, but the animal kingdoms, uh, what sets them apart cast member wise. And I've heard more than one cast member tell me that that park is sort of an animal onto itself. No pun intended where, the people who work over there have a totally different level of, I don't know if the commitment's the right word, but sort of love for their park and being a member of that team. And it's because you have people like this, these incredibly qualified veterinarians, animal handlers, yada, 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 you name them all. Um, and you really get kind of a look into, I mean, these are all people who are well qualified, all being mm -hmm. paid to make your day as good as it possibly can be. Uh, we talk here all the time about how the animal kingdom is 
You could take all the other Disney parks and put them into one lump of a theme park. The Animal Kingdom stands on its own in the way it operates, in the way it, um, in the expenses that are there to it, and how it's presented to you, uh, and what it takes to run day to day. It is literally, honestly, in a league of its own when it comes to Disney parks. And you get a good look at why that is in this show, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get a real sense of um, how much the keepers and the vets really love their job um you know i think this job in particular it's well, let's be honest it doesn't pay all that great i mean i know what some of the keepers were making at the bronx zoo and stuff sure um and it's not you know you're not you know buying mansions with it but they love their job so much they love you know they, they really have a relationship with you know the tigers that they're caring for the crocodiles that they're caring whatever it is that they're right. caring for they become, uh, you know, they just, it's its like family almost. I could tell you, for example, and uh, going back to the Bronx Zoo show, um, I was a volunteer there from 1990 until 2008. So I stopped over 12 years ago now. I watch the Bronx Zoo show currently, and I see a lot of the same people. I mean, the keepers, I mean, it's been 12 <laughs> years. That's a long time, but they're still there. They're still doing what they were doing because they love it so much. And, um, you know, and I, I don't think it's really any different at the Animal Kingdom. I mean, those a lot of those keepers have been there for a while. They they don't want to to uh, go to different zoos or anything like that. They love what they do um, and they love the, you know, the animals that they have. It's like having a pet, really. I mean, you know, yeah. you love your dog or your cat or whatever it is that you you have. And it's, you know, imagine going into work and your job was to take care of the pet all day. I mean, that's a pretty nice it's not a bad gig if you can get it. Um, so you, you get a real sense of how much they love they love their job and, um, you know, the animals there. Okay. It wouldn't be Radio Harambe if I didn't give you my um, critiques. Critiques. Yes. Go ahead. My first critique for the producers of this show. Just because some <laughs> actor is famous. He's terrible. And everybody recognizes <laughs> his name as being a Disney person. Doesn't mean you don't, you shouldn't do a, an audition for whether or not this person could be a narrator. When it comes to documentary film, when it comes to documentary television, especially ones with narration. Now there's a whole movement of, um, you know, documentaries that don't have a narrator, whether it's, it's narrated by the people being interviewed. Yeah. Um, Ken Burns, for example. Well, Ken Burns, no, well, no, not. Not well, true. he does have narrative. That's true. He right. Does have narrative. In fact, but a was... lot of the stories moved along by interviews. But I know sure. what you mean. Sure. But famously, mm-hmm. the narrator of the Civil War was so unbelievably That's good true. at his job that he made people stuck into that show. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are great narrators out there, and some of them could be familiar voices. Sure. Boy, I was not expecting Josh Gad to be. That's his name, right? Yeah, to, to, to be as bad at narrating as he was, and I'm oh, not sure boring. if it was if it was the way it was written, which I don't think was helpful. But his tone, the way he the way he talked, was very slow. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, oh boy, it was hard to get through. Some of the narration was like, "Whoa, man, this just isn't good." Like the narration has to add to it; it doesn't have to be the the hook that keeps you watching it. It can be sure. in some ways. But it has to add to it, and it has to be, you know, in <laughs> nicely, nicely done. You know? Right, right. Um, boy, I, I mean, Mike, you—I guess from the way you're saying here, you agree. Oh, he's terrible. 
he's absolutely dreadful. I, you know, that's the by far the biggest negative of this show. And uh, no offense to Josh Gad, whatever. I'm mean, you're, you're not in, my thing, but you're no, tuned into the uh, to the to the Disney fandom. Is that do do other people say the same thing? Or is I've this heard just... other people say he's not that great. No, yeah. Okay. I mean, they you know they love Josh Gad, but this is just not his forte. Let's put it that way. It's just not what he's designed to do. And the other he needs to be singing and dancing and you know funny and all that kind of stuff. But you know he's none of that on on this. He's not funny at all. It's just dry. It's boring, and he doesn't have like a you know he's not uh, you know Morgan Freeman with the voice. He doesn't have you know a a, a voice that just grips you. Um, no inflection not, in his voice. No no, no inflection. Yeah, no there's no character. Yeah. No nothing. It's just boring. Yeah, it's boring. Um, he's dull. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that that was very hard to get through. Um, and I and I that's so easy. That should have been so easily fixed. It makes me feel like, oh, we can get Josh Cad. We'll sign him up. And they sent him a contract. And then they started reading him. And somebody went, wow. Well, we're stuck. We're paying him half a million dollars to do this two days worth of work. So let's. Uh, I think it's probably more of you know they realize he's yeah, but he's Olaf, and everybody loves Olaf. So we're gonna keep him going. Mike, if he <laughs> they, did it as Olaf, it would have been better. Yes, that's true. You know what that's I mean? True. If he did it in his Olaf Very voice, true. it probably would have been better. Or um, he played uh, who was the what's the character in the Beauty and the Beast Lefou? He was yeah. Lefou in the life. If he did he that voice, that. it would have been better. <laughs> um, the other thing is, I feel like whenever you're dealing, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like whenever you're dealing with something like Mike mentioned, species survival plans (SSP), you're dealing with mm-hmm. endangered animals. You're dealing with, um, you know. Animals on the brink of extinction in some of these cases, the black rhino and a few others that are in the park. I feel like there has to be a level of earnestness to a show like this sometimes and a little bit more emphasis on that in an earnest way. And I I don't mean, you know, show pictures of Little Red dying on the floor, but the I don't know. I just didn't get that feel from watching it. Like we were, uh, you know, I would like to have seen them maybe talk a little bit more about some of the conservation societies they work for and some of those other work with. You could do that. Sure. You know, a little bit more of that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, where some of these animals came from and some of the situations that they might have been in had they not been, you know, that kind of thing. Do do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I do. I get what you're saying. And I also uh, to sort of to that end, they don't really show. Like you said, they don't, you know, they don't show Little Red dying on the floor. I, I do know, for example, in the other shows that we talked about at the very beginning, like the one on the Bronx Zoo, which I watched, um, they did show animals having to be put down. Um, and it was a terrible thing. It was emotional for the for the keepers and for everybody. It was now, listen, that was not every week. Maybe it was like once in or twice in a season where they would show like, you know, the old snow leopard, you know, not doing well and. Yeah, but it's yeah, real life, had, right? Yeah, it's, and so they, they haven't shown any of that on this program. Now, we're only like right. six episodes in, yes. so who knows if they're going to... And again, like I said in, in the other shows, it's certainly not something that you saw every week. It was maybe like once or twice a season. It was a real emotional right. uh, particular episode. Um, I, I I have a feeling they're probably going to stay away from that on this. They're not, they're not going to show that kind of thing. Um, you know, it's just not very Disney. 
and perhaps we will get like in, that. Yeah, and perhaps we will get into more of the conservation stuff as this episode's gone. If so, I'd be more than happy to come back and say they 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 added that. Uh, the right. other thing is, um, I believe, and not to a degree that it could have been, that mm-hmm. it suffers from Disneyfication when it comes to these things. It suffers a little bit of pixie dusting. Yeah, well, that's sort of the same thing, yeah. Um, yeah, where it's just the way they talk, and I mean, uh, I'm I'm glad we don't use the word magical very often. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, there's sometimes I've seen like some of these Disney um, documentaries where we can turn that into a drinking game. How many times they say something stupid like that? But right. uh, I just felt a little bit of Disneyfication that I was I, I was expecting, but hoping for maybe a little less because of the National Geographic bend to it. Mm-hmm. You know that maybe it had a little bit more of um, I don't know, less pixie dusted feel to it. I, I but I, let me say this: I like it, and I'll continue to watch it. Yeah, and the only other thing I would say about it is, it's very uh, well. First of all, it's shot obviously before the pandemic. I mean, this is not you know you see crowds of people in there, and it's right. you know everything's going on. So that kind of gives you a little bit like oh, wish you know I wish life was back to normal. Um, and also, I also noted that they they do t- you know get into individual animals a lot, which I liked. Um, you know, I was worried they were not going to really give you individual animals so that you would know, you know, Duncan the Rhino and all that kind of stuff. But I'm glad they did that. But yeah, it's a little too pixie dusty. They need to show a little bit of not everything is a bed of roses when when working for a zoo. I mean, every zoo in the world deals with with this thing. Uh, I may have said this before, but like, you know, the Bronx Zoo used to be very hush hush about it. If an animal died, they wouldn't even tell us, the volunteers, that an animal died. They didn't want anybody to know. They wanted to pretend that it didn't happen. Right. And that they would, you know, just get another giraffe in there as quickly as possible. And, you know, hopefully this is not like that. And they will, uh, you know, eventually show that, you know, animals get, get old and. Just yeah. like, unfortunately, you know, people every day make the decision that, you know, their dog is, you know, not doing sure. well and in a lot of pain. And, you know, it's more humane to put them down. They do that at the zoo. I mean, it happens all the time. Well, not all the time. It's not like a daily occurrence, but you know what I mean? It happens. Um, yeah. yeah, it happens. So I hopefully they show the not so great stuff, too. But I don't know. Um, and then you came up with an idea. Yes. You wanted to know what shows i would like to see animal kingdom related is that i have yes i have seven potential ones okay i only have one okay you want to go first well i can i i have more than one but there's only one that i really want uh and you 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 actually mentioned it in yours but it was the the first thing that came to my mind um actually i i would say this is two shows so there was a documentary done called The Leopard in the Land. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not 100% sure I remember what year it was. I would say about the 2013, 2015 time that, frame. That sounds about right, because I remember taking the, the kids to Washington, D.C. to see Joe Rohde present it at Georgetown University. I was actually at, you know, I met him there. And right. That sounds about right. 2013 sounds about right. This was an amazingly, amazing documentary of Joe Rohde going to Mongolia Mm-hmm. Um, and painting, and um, it, was, it was all a way to raise money for Snow Leopard Conservancy. And one of the things you learn is that 
Joe Rohde, who is also a member of that Explorers group. The, the, the so- Society of Explorers. Right. Of, yeah. Would make a really great travel host. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what what I think I, uh, I thought of is how great would a travel show be, you know, sort of an Anthony Bourdain, but instead of focusing sort of on food, it's Joe Rohde, Rohde focusing sort of on culture. Culture, art. art. We yeah. could do a show. We could start it off by doing a show where he goes to the places that inspired the work at Disney's Animal Kingdom. He can go to the places he visited in Africa and in mm-hmm. Asia and all these different places that he went to, the places that he went that he says they used to inspire even Pandora. Um, he can go to the Caribbean and talk about the inspirations for Discovery Island and all of these type of things. And there's so many and different places. And he's- and he's putting together the lighthouse or lighthouse point or whatever it is. Right. There's another one for the, for the right. cruise line yeah, yep. for the cruise line, the hotel. Plus there. he was involved in the Mexican and Norway pavilions, um, yep. as well as other things uh, there. Are, but if we're going to stay animal kingdom, we could just set him loose for a nice journey through Africa to show us not only what Africa's like, but how it inspired him and the culture. And he could do these things like he did where he was painting or doing something for charity. This was all great. The snow leopard thing, how it worked was he went to Mongolia. It was part of this expedition sort of looking for the snow leopard, which I don't think they ever found because they're like impossible to find. And, uh, and, but while he was there, he was, he was like camping out in the countryside and painting and then he would take these giant portrait paintings, which were beautiful, and he would auction them off and sell them. And then that money would go to the Snow Leopard Conservancy. So you he could do that. Still be able to buy them. I yeah. Know, well, I know there were some copies of them. Yeah. Yeah. I know there were copies of them that he made too. They did some prints of them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're they're beautiful. And I mean, ha- imagine him doing that. You know, in Africa would be just for whatever sure. whatever local charity you want. Um, you know, it's a great. That was the the one and only thing that came to my mind was that. And we could either just do a travel show with Joe, or we could do a show sp- specifically about um, the inspirations for the Animal Kingdom. The only other thing I would say, Mike, before I let you loose on this, was I know because there was a lot of film footage from the making of the Animal Kingdom. That there is a lot of documented footage of how they built, or you know, the building of the park, and then also sure. of Expedition Everest, um, and all that kind of stuff. And we mastering that stuff and making a new sort of making of documentary of the Animal Kingdom um, from you know the minute they started to the opening of Pandora uh, is. Uh, you know that that can go on for many episodes. For one thing, I mean sure. that that could well, be multiple yeah. episodes, and I would I would like to see a lot of archival footage, a lot of archival footage. Sure, sure. I mean, you have the uh, what would they have the uh, what was it called the Imagineering story when Disney Plus first launched. This was one of the things that was initially there was a documentary series, four or five episodes about the sort of the history of Imagineering. It would be very similar to that, except it would be just narrowly focused on the Animal Kingdom, right? And maybe the Lodge too. In, in you know, just showing the development and all that kind of stuff. You could easily do that. You're 100 percent right. And that would be fascinating. I think people would love it. And it and it'd be a great show. And it's like I said, it doesn't just have to be an hour long film. This could be you know, 45 minutes, seven or eight episodes because there's so much to this. Going back to the you know the germ of an idea to the i to all of the research they did. There is a ton of archival footage for the research that Rody and his team did for Expedition Everest alone because there was more than one 
mm-hmm. documentary around that time, um, you know, including one fantastic one that's almost impossible to find, which is basically just about Mount Everest and the. the you, and, you could, it's on YouTube. I know that. Yeah. I mean, if you, you go could, to YouTube right. and search it, you'll, you could, you can watch it on YouTube. Yeah. It's not about the ride. It's about his time in. Mm hmm. Uh, I guess he, where, 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 was it all in Nepal? I guess it probably was, or maybe some of India as well. But it, yeah, my, it was yeah. Nepal was a big focus of it, but it might not have all been Nepal, right? Hundred percent sure. I mean, you just see how cool he is at this kind of stuff, and how mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's he's great. So that's that's those are the and only unlike, things that came to my mind. And unlike Josh Gad, he would be very good at narrating. Yes, he's very good. <laughs> so, so uh, that would be great. So um, those are two excellent ideas, uh, Dave. And um, a couple of the other ones I came up with were um, a kid show, a cartoon focusing on up characters, Russell and and uh, and Doug um, and sort of a wilderness explorer show where, you know, they're going out to earn their badge and you could do conservation stuff from from a kid's point of view. Uh, There are a few cartoons on PBS like uh, Magic School Bus or the. the uh, was it the Wild Kratz is another one. Yeah, um, my son loves Wild Kratz. Yeah, that that kind of you know like an up based one where you know Doug and Russell are earning wilderness badges and you, you know you get some confirmation you know conservation theme stuff on there. Number two, great idea, great idea. I like those. Speaking of conservation, um, every year the uh, Disney Conservation Fund announces their conservation heroes for the year. Uh, why not do like a little, you know, maybe like a six episode season, like a half hour. I just focus on each one of those conservation heroes um, and what they're doing. And, you know, some you could, you know, send the Nat Geo people out there to I'm sure they would take some beautiful photography of whatever it is, whether it's elephants or parrots in the in Amazon or whatever. I mean, I think that would be a great idea for a nature show. There's an endless um, opportunity there, too, because of all the different organizations the conservation society works with and stuff there's sure a I lot mean, of Disney goes out of their way to to announce in fact one year they even published a book about it on wall i have it uh i have that book you know sitting on a shelf somewhere of all the conservation heroes up until that time i mean obviously that was a couple of years ago but um another idea and this one may be more broad for uh all of disney world but everybody i mean how many channels have various cooking shows what about a cooking show where you go into Jico and you you know learn what they do at Jico, learn what they do at Sanal, learn about how they make the dips for the bread service? You know, again, this could be just a twenty minute show and you know focusing on a restaurant and you know give you like how they cook certain things, something like that. Did I ever tell you how much I? Did I ever tell you how much I hate cooking shows? You may hate them, David. I'm not a you know I don't really watch them either, to be honest. I, I don't think I would say I hate. I them. mean, I can't stand it because I they, these things look so good and I can't try it. I see. Sure. Well, I mean, it's just a tease. It's just a giant tease. Turn around and make it yourself at home. I can't make it. Get out of here. (laughs) Another one, Dave, that I thought of this is more of a documentary as opposed to a series. But uh, I would love to see a show um, going over and showing you the art of the Animal Kingdom Lodge itself. Now, I'm putting together, when I get around to it, putting together a, a Radio Harambe that will focus on the art. I was going to say, uh, are, are you are you putting a plug in to be the uh, the writer for this show? I'd be happy to. Uh, <laughs> I'd, but yeah, also, either you or I would be much better than Josh Gann at uh, narrating it as well. But, um, you know, I've, I have purchased a few books uh, that uh, cover the art of the Animal Kingdom Lodge, and cast members have been kind enough to give me 
uh, stuff that they were given that were given just to cast members about sort of the art. But I would love a documentary that goes through the the hotel, shows you the hotel and, and all, you know, and all the great artwork that's in there. Um, also, Dave, how about a show similar to the Conservation Heroes? But how about a show focusing on the cultural rep- ambassadors that you see at the park and at the lodge themselves? Uh, maybe just a show focus, you know, t- telling their story a little bit. I think people would be fascinated by that. Um, and the very last but not least, again, this would it's probably not a series, but one show, you know, going through the uh, holiday special, uh, like do a holiday special at the Animal Kingdom. Uh, they really up the ante on, you know, doing the Festival of Lights in the Anandapur, the decorations in Harambe, the background music loops at, at both lodges, the decorations in the, in the puppetry that they have in the front and the Tree of Life show. I think a holiday special about the animal kingdom and maybe all of the holidays from around the world that they incorporate into that, like the one in India. Um, I think that would be a great show. You don't like the uh, Christmas morning. Uh... I didn't say in lieu of, I, it may be in addition to, uh, this would be something that they would no, show. Please on, uh, be in lieu of the Christmas morning <laughs> parade show is horrifying. <laughs> well, I mean, you watch it though every year, don't you? Uh, my uh, yeah, Christmas yeah, stories. Yes, so I'm just as I'm just as to blame because I do put it on. Although um, it does turn into sort of a mystery science theater thing, where me and my wife sit there making terrible comments about some singer we've never heard of before singing some song we don't, you know, some some terrible sort of, uh, you know, modernized version of uh, I don't know some Christmas carol that, you know, I'm interested to see what they're going to do about that this year. Cause they're not going to be able to pack the parks in with uh, guests to enjoy, you know, whoever um, is performing uh, on that particular day. I mean, I'm not sure what they're going to do. Are they still going to do the parade? I mean, who knows? It's certainly not going to look the same, not with like thousands of people jammed, you know, shoulder to shoulder on main street. Yeah, I agree. But anyway, that would be uh, the uh, the last of the shows that I would recommend, a holiday special focusing on the animal kingdom and focusing on some of the different holidays from around the world. If like this, the Wally. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to maybe put this Disney Plus thing into good use for to keep the excitement about their parks going for this, you know. Next year or so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they're going to need something. They, you know, they're gonna need I mean, to I'm planning on something. going in. I'm planning on going in March, but I don't know. I mean, who knows what we're going to do? I, I mean, I have no, no plan. We, we've cut off all plans for anything like yeah. this. We had. Uh, I have. I have March booked, but I mean, I don't. Yeah, know. I have nothing I really, booked. I don't know. I have nothing I, booked. The first thing I could imagine myself doing is if we find out that the cruise ships are back at like thirty percent capacity, then I'm jumping on that the next day. Really, that would be great. Oh my God! I, You'd be on a cruise that's only like half full. Oh, they're wonderful. Have you ever? I mean, they're fantastic. <laughs> they are great, but I very worry about cruises. I mean, they with the you know the viruses that you get already before all this happened. I don't Again, know. half full, less than half full. The trick of I the trick that. of the cruises is packed shoulder to shoulder with people, mm-hmm. which you are like almost all the time in everything you do on a cruise from being at the pools and sitting on the chairs. You're right next to each other the whole time. The dinners, everything. Boom, boom, boom. You're right on top of so many people, so many people working there, so many people at the bar. And, you know, it's just this, you know, so, so much. But I, I would do it just for the sake of being able to go on a yeah. Disney cruise at that, that few people. But probably that's not going to happen. I don't see how Never. Disney would do that with their cruise ships. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 
that's the one industry that has really taken a while. Oh, to, they're in the, trouble. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there are a few. I mean, big just the trouble. other day, not to not to di- digress too much, but you know, Christina and I were having dinner and we were uh, at a restaurant, and you know, they had the little the little uh, thing on the table where you could you know wave your phone over it and you can you know get the menu online. I mean, all these printing companies that m- made money by printing menus. I don't know if they're ever going to come back. No. Uh, you know, things like that. You know, you don't think of it. Yeah. But uh, until that, you know, just crosses your mind as you're sitting in a restaurant. But a lot of these kinds of industries, I think uh, commercial office space. I mean, a lot of people are going to oh, continue God, to work is... from home. <laughs> they're going to take a beating. But I, I digress yep. too much. We're going yep. off the topic a little bit. But yeah, uh, a, a cruise, you know, that's only a quarter full, I guess, would be uh, would would be ideal. But Worth we'll see shot. what happens in March. Hopefully Especially we'll have a vaccine by then. I don't know, but we, you know, hopefully, we got to see what kind of difference that makes. Yeah, hopefully by March you'll be able to go. Anyway, so that's yeah. it. Um, don't forget, join us on Twitter. Mike's at Jumbo. Everyone, I am at Radio Harambe. You can go to Jumbo. Everyone on Facebook. You can also go to our Instagram page, Disney's Animal Kingdom. I'm putting pictures up there all the time. Like I said, I'm going to be doing some Christmas stuff. Yes, you are. In the links, uh, the bio link in Instagram as well as on the other pages, you will find a link to our um, T Public store where we've mm-hmm. got some great designs on there. Make great holiday gifts, kids. You're That's gonna, right. You're going to start to see uh, Dave putting out, you know, shameless plugs <laughs> all over Instagram. For and uh, currently, currently, uh, all proceeds are going. Still to the Grevy Zebra Trust. Yes, which we just Although, made a nice donation to them. So we'll, we'll probably change that in the near future. I would yeah, assume, maybe. assume do, maybe do something different. Um, I don't know. Whatever. Perhaps. Maybe we'll, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll run that through the holiday season, right? Grevy Zebra Trust. Yeah, I mean, it I is would almost think so. Thanksgiving, so we might as well. Maybe it's a tiny, we'll... tiny organization that's working yes. with a very difficult uh, thing, you know. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I would, I, I would, we'll stay with them through the holidays, and then we'll figure out what we're doing in January. We think it, yeah, no problem. But yeah. Um, yeah, so all of our proceeds go to a great organization, the Grevy Zebra Trust. You got it. Uh, so I guess that's it for Safari Mike. Is it? I'm Dave McBride. Quaharini, go well, and thank you for listening to Radio Harambe. Quack, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>